Welcome to the South Point Ryder Cup special. This is going to be a all golf show today as we talk about the Ryder Cup, which kicks off this weekend in Italy. First time it's ever been played in Italy, the 91 year history of the Ryder Cup. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a titanic battle as the U.S. top 12 go against the European top 12 over in Italy for the first time. European team has done very well in Europe, uh, winning the last 30 in a row. The last time the USA team won in Europe, Ray Floyd was on the team at 51 years old where he scored three points. And Phil Mickelson was not on the team. Phil Mickelson was in his second year on the PGA Tour, had already accomplished a couple of wins, but was bypassed when it came time to make the team. So Phil's not on that team, and he's not on this team. And that might be something that we'll be looking at as the USA is a little short on leadership. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Hi, everybody. I'm Barry Phillips, and joining me today is Rex Miller, former UNLV golfer and better known as Second Ball All-American. Rex, <laughs> how you doing, my friend? I'm doing really good, thanks. Yeah, pretty exciting, this Ryder oh, Cup yeah. every couple of years. Yeah. I, I don't leave the TV for, you know, three no, days. No, it's a great event. It's a great event, unlike anything in golf, so yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, there's no money. You know, for a while there, there was an argument that the players should be paid to play in this event because there's making everyone's making so much money off of it, PGA and so forth, but now... Uh, that's kind of gone by the wayside, and everybody's playing just to have, you know, um, the pride of playing for the USA. And there's a lot of players that say they've never been more nervous than the first time they put the tee in the ground at the Ryder Cup. So they tee it off in Italy. Unfortunately, Francisco Molinari's not on the team. Yeah, that's too bad. Here we just, you know, this, the course was selected eight years ago, and I'm sure the enthusiasm and excitement with an Italian course would be to have an Italian on the team, but that's not the case. So. Yeah. Well, his brother, uh, Eduardo, and Francisco were both on many Ryder Cup teams, and uh, Francesco got as high as almost, I don't think he ever accomplished number one, but he was in the top five in the world, and remember, he was leading the Masters, and he hit the water, and he really never recovered yeah. after that, yeah. and uh, so he's there, but he's not He's not even one of the captains on the team. So, oh, I'm sorry, he is a captain on the European team, and the captains on the American team are names that we've all known, Stuart Sink and Freddie Couples, and uh, head by Zach Johnson, two-time major winner, so the U.S. team is, is stacked, but also uh, the uh, the European team is stacked as well. But before we get into the Ryder Cup, I've got to talk about the Solheim Cup and what took place over the weekend uh, in Spain. The USA team jumped out to a 4-0 lead. You've probably heard about it. Maybe not, because women's golf does not get as much coverage as it probably should. But the USA team jumped out to a 4-0 lead after their morning matches on Friday. Europe came back to make it a 5-3 match after the game on the afternoon. So they go into Saturday, battle back and forth. They come out of Saturday 8-8. Eight and eight. So they're all tied. Heading into the singles on Sunday, which is 12 singles, very exciting matches. Going back and forth, Ryder, the Europeans were up at one point. The American team was up at one point. Coming down the stretch, Caroline Headwell knocked in a long birdie putt. That tied her match up. She went on to win her match. Uh, and then when she won her match, it just kind of sparked everything. And Carlotta Segunda went on to birdie 16 and 17. She beat Nelly Corda to get the 14th point. And that's what Europe needed. If you tie in the Solheim Cup or in the Ryder Cup, the team that won the prior event retains the title. So Secunda made this birdie putt at 16, a bomb. And then 17, she knocked it to about three feet and knocked it in. Excuse me, 18. She knocked it in, and that uh, secured the 14th point for the uh, Europeans to tie. The last match went down to Lexi Thompson, who scored three points for the USA team. She won her match, but it was too little, too late, 14-14 and Europe gets it back. The women played tremendous golf. Yeah, you, you would have thought that, uh, I mean, that was the third win in a row for Europe. You would have thought that with the 
the lineup the U.S. had was clearly superior. Uh, a lot of unknown names on the European team. Uh, motivation coming out strong, take a 4-0 lead in the morning, and Europe pecked away at it. And all they needed was a tie, and they kept it. The good yeah. news is the U.S. only has to wait a year in order to get another chance back on, on U.S. turf. Yeah, their schedule got messed up because of COVID. So the next year they'll play at the Robert Trent Jones down in Virginia. And uh, I think the USA team is going to be fired up to play in that one after the way this one narrowly slipped away from them after an early lead. Part of the story of the American team was analytics. Uh, Stacey Lewis, the captain of the USA team, relied heavily on analytics when putting her teams together. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on the men's side, Rex. I know yeah. you've done a little homework yeah. on it and make it happen. But we've been seeing that in football quite a bit lately, the analytics uh, taking charge happened in the Raider game the other night when uh, when the Raiders did not go for it on fourth down. And it's all analytics. So those guys are kind of running baseball now. And I never thought they would run golf, but it's yeah. starting to get into yeah. golf. Moneyball well. kicked it all off and uh, everybody's into that. So golf is nothing if it's not tradition, Rex. And the Ryder Cup's been going on for over 90 years, started by Samuel Ryder. He was uh, from Great Britain, loved golf, and at the time, uh, golfers were having a tough time of it and weren't making enough money to survive. He came up with the idea for a Britain-American uh, tournament. It was held in the USA, and USA did win that very first one. And over the years, USA dominated when it was USA versus Great Britain. Um, but it changed. They added Ireland, and that made it a little more competitive. But eventually, they went to all of Europe. And since then, it's been very competitive. The U.S., Overall leads uh, 27 to 14 with two ties. One of the ties is a great golf tradition of being a gentleman. It was Jack Nicholas against Tony Jacklin. And uh, Jacklin had a long putt. And Nicholas looked at him. It wasn't long. It was maybe six feet. And he looked at him and said, pick it up. It's good. Which secured a tie. And the U.S. was able to retain because the tie had Jacklin missed. The U.S. would have won outright. But they won anyway. I don't think we'll ever see that again. Now, you're probably right, Rector. Do you think you think we would? I don't know if we would. Maybe Spieth would be the guy that would do something Pick up like that. that. Six footer. Yeah. So uh, they ended up in a tie, and it was one of the most gentlemanly things that's ever happened in uh, in the history of golf. And Nicholas is always patted on the back for that. So uh, over 91 years, they've uh, played quite a few matches. 43, in fact, this will be the 44th. USA holds a 27-14-2 advantage, but has not won in 30 years. In Europe. In Europe. And they opened as a plus 125, or as a negative 125. They laid 125 as the favorite opening. That's been bet down now. Yes. It's bet down to the USA as plus 125 here at the uh, South Point. Around town, you can get it at plus 110. So if you're going to bet the USA team, you want to come to the South Point, we've got the best number uh, currently that's loaded there. I was surprised the USA opened as the favorite, Rex. I think it's... Traditionally, you look at the makeup of the teams, and USA is stacked generally every time, but they haven't won overseas in 30 years. Yeah. So you can see on a based on player capabilities and just uh, and names, and uh, you know they they would be the leader on paper, but that hasn't helped in the past. In fact, this team probably isn't as strong as prior teams when they had Mickelson and Tiger Woods. So uh, that you know they like I said 30 years you're betting against there. I would agree that the U.S. team on paper traditionally is a dominating force against the European team, and especially the, the names you just mentioned, Tiger and Phil and uh, so many more couples are on those teams. I mean, these guys were just, you know, 
uh, Zach Johnson was on those teams, you know, yeah. the Bulldog. And they just could not win over there. Now here we are going over there with, I'm missing something on this team. We'll get into the players here in a moment, but I'm not sure who the leader on this team overall is. It might be Jordan Spieth, who's been in uh, the second most um, Ryder Cups on this team. But, uh, you know, the, the European team has got quite a bit of fire. John Rahm, he's got the Ballesteros connection there. Rory, we know, is always going to be fired up. Now, they are missing Sergio and Ian Poulter mm -hmm. and Lee Westwood. Those guys are kind of aged themselves out of the Ryder Cup. A writer, uh, um, Sergio, I think, LIV'd himself off of the uh, Ryder Cup team. He tried to buy himself back onto the team. In fact, we can talk about that a little bit later. But but there has been some very, very strong USA teams. And Hal Sutton had the team that he sent out, Phil and Tiger. In the first match on Friday, um, back in, I think it was, oh, it was 03 or 04, and they got whacked. And, I mean, they were the number one and number two players in the world that got yeah, beat. Yeah, who, who would bet against Tiger? But, I mean, that's the uniqueness of the Ryder Cup is, you know, Tiger had a decent singles record, but he was abysmal in four ball and four yeah. just because it's so different. And, you know, it's a team environment in this regard, and uh, they're not used to playing like that. So, And, you know, and the interesting part of that is Tiger is possibly the greatest of all time. If not, he's in the top two. And golf's an individual game. And here's Tiger trying to be on a team, and – uh, to his detriment, he was never able to really lift the team up and carry him on his shoulders when he played in the Ryder Cup. He had a losing record, in fact. And that's it's kind of sad because you would think we would have dominated all those years when Nicholas was playing and Palmer was playing. Those guys took this thing seriously and they won it. And uh, and they I don't know if Nicholas ever lost a Ryder Cup uh, as a team, right? But um, but Tiger never won one on on European soil, so uh, that happened. Different kind of pressure. You know, the foursomes, uh, you know, and your partner bombs it out there dead center of the fairway, and now you've got to hit a shot now. An alternate shot is much, much different than, and you're playing for your country. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot different pressure. Well, just, well, I, we're going back a little bit. When Tiger and Phil were teamed up, there was a big controversy which ball they were going to play an alternate shot because yeah. Phil played Callaway and Tiger played Tylus. <laughs> I mean, it was, you knew there was trouble there, and it's unfortunate because Hal Sutton, uh, kind of put his reputation on the line and never recovered from that after the beating the USA team took. So the USA team is all together now over in Italy. Kepka joined him yesterday or last night, I guess, after he played uh, the Live Tour event that was won by Bryson DeChambeau and Kepka finished 24th. Kepka had a kind of an interesting year, finished second at the Masters and um, won PJ. So, you know, he played on the Live and he still made it onto the USA team where Sergio didn't make it onto the European team. What do you think of the Kepka situation? You know, that's the that's what's unique about this for the first time. Uh, you know, we know there have been hard feelings uh, verbalized, certainly by Rory on the opposing side. But uh, yeah, I mean, people downplay it. Uh, he's an American. He deserves to be on the team. Definitely controversy as to whether he should have been there or not. But he's there. He's the only one. Uh, now on the live tour that's there. So he came over separately. Uh, we'll see how it all, what all pans out, but yeah, definitely the first time it's going to be unique from that standpoint. Well, five majors, I mean, yeah, you, you kind of yeah. want a guy with five majors on your team, but as we just talked about, and so often after the USA team would lose in Europe, they would talk about how this just wasn't a team. They didn't gel as a unit where the Europeans were. 
and uh, and that's one of the reason that the USA team couldn't win on foreign soil. And now you bring in Kepka, who although he's not one of the guys that burned a lot of bridges, he didn't you know talk like Phil and uh, and um, uh, the Captain America. Uh, oh, Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed. Yeah, I mean those guys burned some bridges, and and they were not going to be on the uh, the Ryder Cup team ever. On the other side of the pond, um, Luke Donald's now the captain of the European team because Henrik Stenson went to the live and yeah. they booted him off and Luke Donald picked up the gauntlet on short notice and he's got his team and, and he didn't take any live golfers onto his unit. In fact, he took a player that's only yeah. been a professional for six months and uh, has one win in nine tournaments, uh, Ludwig Hallberg. And he, he picked him over Sergio and several other guys he could have taken. I kind of find this live thing is really messed with golf over the last year and it definitely is messed with the Ryder Cup. Yeah, no no question. It's it's there it's a factor to some degree. I mean you can say what you want about Brooks Kepka and he wasn't very verbal, but he still left. He was still complicit in that. And there's hard feelings over it. Uh no doubt. Now, whether that is a factor when they're there, uh, you know, he's the only guy there. Yeah. And Keegan Bradley is the one that kind of got uh, left off the left off the train. And Keegan had a good year. Now, in in Zach Johnson's defense, Keegan Bradley has not been a factor for the last several years on the PGA Tour. But he did have a good year. He won this year. He mm -hmm. played hard this year. Made a comeback. He wanted to make the Ryder Cup team. He's a patriot. He made himself knowing that he really wanted to be on the team. And at the end of the day, Zach said, yeah, I got to take a five-time winner. And there's some hard feelings there, but at the end of the day, if Keegan plays well in two years, maybe he'll get on the team two yeah. years from now. The other guy that's missing off of this team is uh, Bryson DeChambeau, who had a tough year. He battled some injuries, but he won this past weekend. He shot 63 yeah. on Sunday to win the Live Tour event. And uh, you may remember when we played uh, the Ryder Cup two years ago when DeChambeau drove the first green, a 355, 60-yard hole, drove the first green, two-putt birdie, fired up the USA team, yeah. and... He's not going to be there. He's one of the guys that would be, could be right. the fire up leader. Yeah, you just don't you don't look at that team and say immediately who's got the fire in their belly. You can do that with the European team clearly. You know, Rory they've sent out first uh, right out of the morning in the gate on on the singles the last uh, the last two uh, Ryder Cups for that reason. You know, he's a great cheerleader. You want him to come out of the pack and lead that. But I, there's nobody, you look at the American team, there isn't anybody that comes to mind to say, oh, that's the natural leader on the team. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting point. Let's talk a little bit about this team. So we'll start with the number one player in the world, uh, leading the USA team is Scotty Scheffler. Uh, this guy has been amazing. He's finished in the top 10 in 17 of his last 23 events, won the scoring average for 2023 on the PGA Tour. Quiet guy, though. He's yeah. a quiet guy. So he's just what we're talking about. He's not going to be the guy that's out there cheerleading right. people on. He makes a birdie. You didn't know he made a triple bogey or a birdie. And and he's going to be, you know, a big key to this team because he's got to win. So do you lead quietly by winning that way? And who are they going to pair him with is interesting. Yes, because a great question. Because he's kind of. spoken Texan. Yeah. 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 Um, Xander Shoffley, another kind of a soft-spoken guy. Always close. He's got seven career wins now, but he's got 12 runner-ups, and he's kind of number two guy on the USA team. He's 29 years old, and this USA team isn't old, but they're not young, right? They're almost in their prime. There's a lot of 28, 29, 30-year-old guys here. Xander, first time he's ever played in a, in a Ryder Cup, a lot of pressure for this guy. 
Well, yeah, he, uh, uh, you know, great player. Um, he actually, Xander actually played in the last Ryder Cup because he was paired with Patrick Cantley. Oh, you're right. I'm yeah. sorry. I, yeah. I, I remiss. I was jumping down to the next guy, Wyndham Clark. Yeah, Xander did play last mm -hmm. one. So he's had the experience of doing it one time. I think that would be a good pairing of uh, Scheffler and Xander. Those two are quiet guys. They kind of go about their business, hit the ball fairly straight. Great putters, although Scheffler struggled with his putter coming down the stretch this year. Uh, I can see those guys as being a pairing. And you're getting a little bit of inexperience. Wyndham Clark, he's a rookie, won the U.S. Open, and he was right there at the British Open before Harmon ran away with it. Another guy. Right. He could walk right through this casino, and nobody would know who he is. Very, you know, very quiet guy that uh, kind of found himself this year. He was a little bit younger and couldn't couldn't win. He was always, you know, in the top 25, and then busted through this year, winning the U.S. Open, and all of a sudden he's a factor. He bombs it. Longest player on the team. Yeah. Yeah. So – on the U.S. team. Interesting on who you're going to pair Wyndham Clark with. And, uh, I mean, this team's, it's, I mean, when you look at them on paper, they're a very solid team. The next guy on the list is Max Homa, who qualified. Max, six wins in the last uh, three years, four in the last two years. He played in a Walker Cup when he was younger, but he's never played in a Ryder Cup. He did play on the President's Cup last year. And Max, another great guy. Now, he is an interesting character because he's high on social media He's out there in the public. People do know who he is. He's not afraid to speak his mind, but I don't see him being a rah-rah cheerleader type guy. Maybe he'll surprise us. And we don't know because we haven't seen them in that kind of environment. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys are stoic on tour. You just don't see a lot of that. Keep their composure. Try to keep a level head. Mm -hmm. Here it's a little different in that it does come down to a lot of emotion and showing the emotion and having that spill over to your teammates. So in a lot of cases here, we don't really know what to expect in terms of the emotion out of these guys. Yeah, because some of our top players haven't been there, or if they have been only one time, like the next one, Brian Harmon, he's our oldest player on the team. He's 36 years old. This guy is awesome. Went to University of Georgia, as they call him the Bulldog. He's left-handed. At the British Open, he put on just an amazing show, the way he ran away with it at the Open. And uh, this kid is a great match play player. I'm surprised he hasn't been on a Ryder Cup team previously. In fact, I bet him every year when they had the WGC match play down in Texas, I would bet him to the semifinals every year and cash and cash and cash. He's an ATM machine. And uh, at the British Open this year, he made putting look amazingly simple. But it's his first one, and he's 36 years old. He's only got three wins on tour. So he got the British Open, got him a lot of points, Got him to qualify for the team. Yeah. And now he's going to be, you know, he's going to have, uh, I think his feet will be sweating a little bit when he steps up to that first tee. Yeah. And, yeah. If he wasn't an automatic qualifier, would he have been a captain's pick? Yeah. I don't uh, know. Probably not. He hasn't been. No. He's been out there no. for 14 no. years, right? Uh, and then Patrick Cantley is a qualifier. So Cantley, eight wins, but none this year. Um, he did win the Shriners back in 2018. Yes. So he's got a little bit of a local connection and right. Patrick Hanley, one of the best putters on tour, the boss of the Moss. But again, he's another guy that uh, is not going to fire the team up. I don't think he's a very kind of quiet guy. What do you know about Patrick Hanley? Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is slow play, unfortunately, right? But it's synonymous with him, but you know, it's interesting in the last Ryder cup that he was paired with Xander Shoffley and you know, they were undefeated in foursomes. So, uh, which is a very unique 
uh, environment with the alternate shot, I would suspect you're going to see them paired again for that very reason. Yeah. The very fact that they had success. So, uh, really, we just went through the first six guys on the team. Brooks Kepka was a captain's pick, and I'm wondering who he plays with. Who are you going to put Kepka with? And uh, that'll be an interesting scenario. We're going to take a break. Before we go to break, there's the numbers that are currently on the board. Europe is minus 120. They opened plus $1.40. USA is now plus 125. They opened minus $1.30. And a tie is 12 to 1. You can bet it as a three-point result, or you can bet it as odds to lift the trophy individually. If the USA were to win, it's the same number. Uh, they are now plus 125, and Europe is... Uh, minus 120 on the board. Hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more as we take a look at the rest of the American team and the European team and give you some of the prop bets right after this. Once you've satisfied your hunger, get ready for more of the hottest casino games in Vegas. Our 24-hour, 30-table non-smoking poker room proudly hosts all the most popular poker games with a variety of betting limits. Visit the poker room for a schedule of daily tournaments. Whether you're going to hold them or fold them, the best place for poker is at South Point Casino. You'll notice that our craps tables are usually the loudest in the casino. If you've never played, join one of our free craps lessons to find out what makes this game so exciting. Check with the craps dealer for schedules and give it a roll. Bingo is also an exciting way to spend your time. We offer seven sessions of bingo every day. And each session includes a cash ball jackpot, 12 bingo games, a progressive double action game, and a $10,000 bonus coverall. Electronic units are available. If you haven't played bingo with us, give it a try today. Guests can also get in on the action at our one-of-a-kind race and sports books. Two separate rooms designed to maximize your experience and comfort. Our sports book, with over 400 seats, puts you right in the middle of the action, 24 hours a day. The friendly ticket writers are happy to help, and it's conveniently located next to the famous Del Mar Deli, where you'll find supersized portions of delicious deli items like roast beef, pastrami, and Reuben sandwiches, or soups, salads, and pizza plus spectacular desserts fit for a king. And right next door is the race book, over 150 seats, each with its own TV screen. There are 16 interactive player terminals, so you can bet right from your seat. Hi everybody, welcome back. Barry Phillips with Rex Miller live at the South Point Race and Sportsbook with the South Point Ryder Cup show. Uh, talking about the USA team and the top six players on the Ryder Cup team that uh, we just ran through. We're going to go through the captain's picks here in a moment. Take a look at the odds on uh, for this for the players to score points. And was, we've got a whole prop sheet that's available at uh, the South Point. You can bet on which team is going to win. You can also bet on the dailies. Winner of the, uh, the daily on the first foursomes, the four ball in the afternoon. You can then do the same thing on Friday, on Saturday with the foursomes in the morning, four ball in the afternoon, and you can bet on the top rookie score or the top European score, and there's some interesting numbers there. But going back to the guys we were just talking about, all those guys we just mentioned are kind of the favorites. Scotty Scheffler, 5-1 to one to score the most points for the USA team. That makes sense because it figures that Scotty's probably going to play in 
all five matches, if four, if not five, right? Same thing for Cantley. He's going to play in a lot of matches. He's five to one as well. Vander Shoffley, he's five to one as well. So the top three American players are five to one that they're going to score the most points in the American team. And it makes sense that those three would be playing in a majority, if not all, of the matches. But as we get down the list a little bit, it's where we're going to really find some good numbers. I'm shocked. I'm really surprised. To, to me, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth at 12 to 1, uh, they're going to play a lot. In yeah. fact, last the last Ryder Cup, they played 36, 36 before they went into the singles. So to me, that that would be a good bet. They've got a, a lot of success in both foursomes and four ball. My mm -hmm. guess is they're going to go with them again playing together. Yep. They know each other. They're good good pals. Uh, seems like a pretty good bet to me. So they're interesting guys because, as we know, Spieth was the hottest man in golf for several years, and he kind of cooled off. He came back out of win. Um, Justin Thomas won the 22 PGA, but then had an absolutely ter terrible year. Funny story, he uh, he changed his diet, went on a new workout regime. He's doing everything he could because he wanted to win a major. One of the things he did was he went dairy-free. And uh, after he missed the cut at the British Open, my wife said maybe he wishes he could have a milkshake about well, right the now. The <laughs> thing he, he he hated to give up worse than anything else was pizza. Yeah, so, and uh, and his scores of yeah. climb. But he is a tremendous Ryder Cup player, um, along with Jordan Spieth. So he, taking a look at Justin Thomas, it's his third Ryder Cup. He's six two and one, so he's played in nine of ten potential matches he played in the first two that he played in. So he plays almost every single time, or has in the past. Mm -hmm. And the reason he does is because he and Justin, he and Jordan Spieth are so solid. They grew up playing junior golf together. So you can see these guys playing three, four matches together. If not all four, they'll at least play probably three. And streaky. Justin Thomas, this guy can throw up five, six, seven birdies in a row anytime. He can go out and shoot a 30. And we all know about Spieth. He hits the ball closer to the hole than anybody. And they're both listed at 12 to 1, far down the list. On the American chart, I could see if I were um, looking at some places that we're going to put some wagers on, I'm, that we're going to put some on that team of Justin and absolutely. well, you can't bet the team, but as individuals as Justin and uh, and Jordan, um, and we jump back up a little bit. Brooks Kepka, five-time winner. Now we're not sure who he's going to play with, right. but whoever it is, he's going to be tough, and he's eight to one. So you can get Kepka as a top American sc uh, point scorer at eight to one. Then, as we go down the list of guys, uh, we're going to be surprised at some of the numbers that you're going to see, on, especially on one guy. And I don't know what Chris was thinking uh, when he got there, but um, Brian Harmon. So Brian Harmon, who we just mentioned before we went to break, wins the British Open, possibly one of the best pitters, putters on tour, always tough in match play when he plays in the WGC, 30 to 1. 30 to 1. Uh, it might be worth a dollar or two. To take a look at Brian Harmon as a top. Now, the problem you have with Brian Harmon is he might not play in the opening match, right? And so if he doesn't play in the opening match and USA rolls in the opening match, they're not going to break those teams up. No. And that leaves Harmon out the first day and he doesn't get to play. And there's and I agree, there's too many good players that are going to displace him. And you're right. I mean, if they if they do come out of the gate strong, you they're gonna they're gonna keep that going. So, um, you know, I I think for him, he may only play once. He may play once uh, on both Friday and Saturday, possibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So guy qualifies, and the and the captain's picks may play ahead of him. Running down the rest of the sheet, um, Colin Morikawa, Colin captain's pick, won the PGA a few years ago. Very straight hitter of the golf ball. Morikawa's been bet at seventeen to two, so uh, that number may move a little bit. Now here's a guy that might play every match. Great it, iron player. So yeah. guy that would be a real strength to have on your team. I think he's going to play. I would see him playing a lot. Yeah, Max Homa is ten to one, and we mentioned Max is a is possibly the kind of the fire up guy on the team. I'm not sure if he'll um, go off in the foursomes on uh, Thursday or not. But Max Homa is at, at ten to one. Max is an interesting guy. He's won six times, but he hasn't won anything big. You know, he wins the small tournaments that is not a full field of the best players, and so uh, he hasn't really faced the Ryder Cup type of pressure that these other guys have forced have forced. And then Ricky Fowler uh, rounds out, the, and, and Sam Burns ran out the team. Ricky Fowler is uh, fourteen to one to be the point leader, and Ricky was a captain's pick. Disappeared for the last four years, five years. He did have a good year, but I just—he's just—I think he's only won three. I think he's three and seven. Is that what his three seven is? and five in the Ryder Cup? Yeah, uh, hasn't hasn't. This is his first appearance in five years. Uh, I don't know. I just, I'm, I don't have a lot of confidence there. Yeah. Uh, based on his record and the fact that he's really been a non-factor for until just recently. Right. So I would scratch. I, I'm not looking to put any money down on Ricky Fowler. Now, Sam Burns is a guy. I bet Sam Burns a lot in the last year. He's a guy that was really showing uh, some potential in 22. He won a couple of times. And then he won the match play, the WGC match play that was held down in Texas, um, the Accenture. He was awesome uh, in the match play, and he's a great match play type player. He's 16 to 1, and Sam Burns is a guy that can go out and do some damage to the European team. And he is a guy that probably will be playing in the opening match. As you take a look at, you know, you, you got to have eight guys out there. So right. who are they going to be? And I think Sam Burns is one of them that can make that, um, you know, play the first first two, two matches the first day. If he plays well, he can keep going. If not, that's when they sit him down and they bring in a Brian Harmon or or one of the others. And he's 16 to one. So it's pretty good value. Right. I think your value on the USA team is that middle slot of Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, and Sam Burns. Now, if Zach Johnson doesn't play Justin Thomas on the opening round, because he was a pretty controversial uh, captain's pick because of the year that he had, that kind of throws that money out the window. But if he does play in the opening match, he'll probably play in all of them. I got to think, right? Unless he, yeah, you know, unless he falls apart on. Yeah, him. I, I got to think that he picked them just because of his past record uh, with Spieth. Uh, even though he hasn't been playing well, I still expect that he's going to get a lot of a lot of time on the course. Well, he's so streaky, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy he he is so streaky that he gets a hot putter going on, and with Spieth and him get along so well, that's part of it, right? We keep talking about. You gotta and I think have... he can charge up the team with that. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's the idea. Yeah. Let's take a look at the European team. The favorite on the European team is Rory McIlroy, nine to two to score the most points for the USA or the European team. Rory has been there, you know, quite a few times, and he is the fired up leader of this uh, European team. Rory is spectacular, as we all know. Everything he does is strong. He's 12, 12, and four in the Ryder Club. He played in 10 and 12 and 14, 16, 18, and 21. Guy plays every single match. So you got good value for your dollar just because you know he's going to play. He's going to play. 
He's going to play all five matches, yeah. so it gives him a chance to get the most points just because he's going to be out there. And Rory's number two in the world behind uh, Scheffler, but those guys flip-flop quite well, a bit. Well, the interesting thing with Rory is this is going to be his seventh Ryder Cup, uh, I believe. And so, you know, he's split. He's got half that he's played in Europe and half in the U.S., but he's played a lot. And I, I would suspect, you know, at 9-2 to two on the odds there that, that you know, we're going to see him probably playing every every day, every round, probably. Yeah. I think you're going to see the same thing with John Rahm. Yeah. You're going to see both of those guys on the golf course a lot, and Rahm is 5-1 to one to get the most points for the European team. And if I were to, uh, to look at the, the value, 5-1 to is pretty strong. When you get a, a favorite at 5-1 to one instead of even money or 2-1 to one or 3-1 to one like in horse racing – you got to take a look at it, especially when you know John Robbins. You know he's going to play. Well, and both those guys are emotional. Yes. So they're looking at him. Those guys get hot. Emotional mm-hmm. leaders, they're going to get fired up. They're going to energize the team. I, I think, you know, the reason that they're listed the way they are is just because they're going to be out there. They're going right. to be and, – and Rory has gone out in singles. He's been the first one out of the gate uh, for that reason. Uh, Victor Hovland, Enigma, this guy when he's on – he is as tough as anybody in the game. Doesn't hit it, you know, really straight. But he, he, for a little guy, he pounds it out there. Great putter. He had a problem with his short game for a while, but he's got that solidified. And he's at 5-1. to one. He's another one. So if you look at, really, we're looking at the European team. You can almost pick who's going to be out there all the time. Well, you can't do that with the USA team. No. You don't know who's going to be on the course for four or five of the matches. But you know Hovland's going to be out there every single match. He's a young guy, 29. You got Rom, you got McElroy. Uh so five to one, five to one, and McElroy nine to two. Tommy Fleetwood, thirteen to two. He's a captain's pick. Tommy didn't qualify uh with his European points. He plays a lot in the US, of course. Um, so Tommy's at thirteen to two. And here's a guy that you think he's gonna every time you watch him on TV, you think he's gonna bust out. He'll get the lead, give it away, falls back on Saturday, and then Sunday shoots a sixty-two or sixty-three. So I'm not sure what Tommy Fleetwood uh, is going to do. I'm not sure if they'll play him every match because he's hot and cold, but he's 13 to two. Your thoughts on Tommy Fleetwood? Uh, I mean, he's foursomes. He's undefeated in foursomes. So to me, uh, you know, you got to have him out there. Uh, and if you take him out in the, in the morning, if, and I'm not sure we know whether it's going to be foursomes or four ball, they kind of alternate that. But if it's, if it's foursomes in the morning, I, he's going to be out there. And if, you know, if he wins, I mean, I think you got to keep going with it. Yeah. So he's been in two Ryder Cups. He goes four, two, and two. So that's 10 matches. He's played in um, 10 out of 10 when he was there. He played in every single match that he played in. And in foursomes, he goes two and oh. So yeah. pretty solid guy. Yeah. Make it happen. Tommy Fleet with 13 to two. Tyrell Hatton, he's 15 to two. And Tyrell Hatton's another guy that you just think he's going to bust out and win and win and win. He he hasn't been able to win, but he he's a very solid player. And Tyrell Hatton hasn't when I say he hasn't been able to win, he's got ten wins internationally. Yeah, but on the U.S. side, he hasn't been able to do anything. Tyrell Hatton is a, I mean, just a bulldog though. He's yeah. he he's he's the counterpart I think to uh, to Brian Harmon. Is the guy that just grinds and uh, you know. He's, he's a good player. Yeah, he's out there, and he's going to make things happen for that team. He's one of those guys that don't look past him. He's going to be there. He's always there at the majors. He always seems to show up on the leaderboard yep. on Saturday at the majors. So there's a rookie, Nikolai Hogart, 
is uh, from Denmark. He's only 22 years old. This is the first year that Nikolai Hogart is going to be playing. He's 25 to one, and it's just a matter of how much play he's going to get because this kid is spectacular. He's a really, really solid player. He's got three international wins. This is his first Ryder Cup, but he's one of the ones that uh, Luke Donald has spoken extremely highly of. And when you listen to Luke Donald talk about him, you would think that he might get a lot of playing time just because of the way Luke has talked well, about Well, the interesting him. thing, I think when you look at, at the the meshing of teammates in the in the four ball and the foursome, this year you've got nine countries represented in Europe. And I don't know if that's a factor. You know, you don't have like John Rahm doesn't have his Spaniard to team with, which he's done yeah. with Sergio. So I don't know, you know, do you does Rom go with uh, you know, somebody from Denmark or Norwegian or Sweet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a great question, but I look at Nikolai Hogard, 25 to one, Robert McIntyre, another kind of enigma, 35 to one from Scotland. But Robert McIntyre won on this course earlier in, on the DP tour. Yeah. So he you, won to qualify to get into the Ryder cup team for the European team. Would you not think, I mean, and then again, they've got the analytics for this that, and, and Hogard won it. Uh, at Marco Simone, I think several years ago. Yeah. So on the tour, so those two guys uh, have have positive experience on the course. It'll be interesting to see how much they're going to play. Yeah, yeah. He. Uh, it's funny. Robert McIntyre. He uh, he played on Sunday with um, Matt Fitzpatrick and beat Matthew Fitzpatrick, and but it's it's what qualified him to get into the uh, the Ryder Cup team. He's thirty five to one. He's the long shot on the board. There's three long shot Europeans on the board to get the most points. Nikolai Hogart, Step Straka, and Robert McIntyre. So you would think, based on this number, that they're they're not thinking that these guys are going to get a lot of playing time, that they're not going to see more than two matches, probably get in one of the foursomes, maybe one of the four balls, and then the singles. And so that's why their number is so high is the playing time that they're going to get. But if one of these three guys gets out yeah. on Thursday morning, then Look out, because they might get right. hot and get to play the entire time. Pretty good number. Matthew Fitzpatrick is 9-1. to one. Great guy. Matthew Fitzpatrick has logged every single shot he's ever hit since he was a teenager. He has a book. He keeps track of every single shot. Won the U.S. Open. He's a solid, solid player. And uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick is a really the, – the thing about European players, and one of the reasons they do so well in Ryder Cup Rex, I think you'll agree, is that they play a lot of match play growing up over there, where in the U.S., we're more about what did you shoot? What did you shoot? And anybody plays junior golf, it's all about what did you shoot? But over there, there's a lot of match play that goes on. And so they're kind of used to that format, which you have to be because you can get stunned. You can get stunned. You hit a shot, you're six feet. The other oh, guy's yeah. 25 feet. Absolutely. He knocks it in. You miss. Boom. You're, the next three holes, you're wondering what happened. Well, you don't think Matt, Matthew Fitzpatrick is going to go in with a chip on his shoulder. He's 0-5 in the Ryder Cup. So... Mm -hmm. You know, a guy that you look at and say, well, he's got to be one of their better players. You know, he hasn't had any success in the Ryder Cup. So um, I, I think he's going to he's gonna come out with a chip on his shoulder. And it's his second one. I mean, he, or third one now. He's 0-5, and, and he's been yep. in three of them. And yep. He's something that uh, he will be playing extremely hard. Now, another captain's choice is Justin Rose. Justin Rose comes in at 12-1. to Justin's 43 years old. Remember when he turned pro? After he played well at the British Open yep. and it didn't make a cut yep. Yep. for the first year. And now he's won a U.S. Open. 
and Justin Rose has 14 wins, I think, uh, internationally over the last several years. He's kind of long in tooth, but I think this is where the European team probably outsmarted the American team by putting a guy like Justin Rose on the team. Completely agree. Yeah. 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 Completely agree with his experience to have some stabilizing force there. Uh, you know, you, you can look to Rory and you can look to John Rahm as being emotional. You don't think that with Justin Rose, but he's going to be a stabilizing force. And so Justin Rose probably won't play. I, I, he'll probably play maybe two or three matches and he's 12 to one. So I'm not liking any value there. And this Ludwig, Ludwig, Auberg, Ludwig Auberg is a pretty amazing guy. 12 to one. He's only been a pro since June. He's played nine tournaments, won one of them, number one amateur in the world. Yeah. And 23 years old. Uh, and they've got him. He's 12 to one. Shane Lowry's 18 to one. He's the <laughs> open champion. So, right. what? Yeah. Well, I don't know if Shane Lowry's going to play more than a couple matches. I don't know if he could play 36 a day, right? It's, he's a little bigger. He's a little yeah. bigger. Yeah. He looks more like he, me than he, <laughs> he looks like Tiger, that's for sure. Hey, we're going to take a break, Rex. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, what are the opportunities for the USA team and how they're going to win this thing. Uh, and we got a couple of players we haven't talked about yet. So we'll be back with a little bit more of the South Point Ryder Cup show right after this. If you're celebrating a special occasion or just love fine dining, you're in the right place. Come experience the crown jewel of South Point restaurants, Michael's Gourmet Room. Welcome. With over 600 different types of wines, and magnificent dishes prepared tableside, you'll revel in the rich classic Vegas decor and the best black tie service in the world. This intimate gourmet room has earned accolades galore. Come to Michael's Gourmet Room for an unforgettable dining experience. Another famous restaurant is the Silverado Steakhouse, where you'll find the charm and service that discerning patrons require. From top quality steaks and chops to fresh seafood and desserts, you'll love the award-winning wine list and menu at Silverado Steakhouse. Steak lovers have even more options with primarily prime rib. Catering to hearty appetites, the menu features a variety of flavorful prime rib cuts, dry aged to ensure tenderness, and then seasoned and slowly roasted. Although prime rib is our specialty, it's not the only thing on the menu. There's something for everyone. And if you're craving a taste of Italy, come experience delicious Italian cuisine and the attentive service at Don Vito's. Our culinary team starts with the freshest ingredients and transforms them into traditional favorites. And don't forget Italian desserts. Don Vito's, savor the taste of Italy. Finally, if sushi is more your style, join us at the popular Zenshin Asian restaurant and sushi bar where we're serving up the freshest sashimi, nigiri, and sushi rolls. And beyond the sushi, an exciting contemporary Asian cuisine menu, plus a variety of specialty drinks, Japanese and domestic beer, wine, and sake. Balance your hunger with Zenshin. Hey everybody, welcome back to the South Point Ryder Cup special. Barry Phillips with Rex Millers. We're going over the South Point's uh, Lines on the Ryder Cup, as well as our picks and plays on some of these uh, opportunities to make a little bit of money. The South Point has a full two-page sheet of prop bets for the Ryder Cup. First time they've ever put that out. And there's some value here, folks. I can tell you, if you like to bet golf, 
and it, you can bet it every day. You can bet it every match, and then you can bet it for the total. Um, and it's pretty interesting. You can even bet the individual players. One of the things on this uh, tout sheet, Rex, is the top USA rookie score and the top European rookie score. So both teams have four rookies on the team of 12, which who's going to handle the pressure better than the others? Who's going to get the playing time more than the others? And that's really what we've been talking about is the playing time that they're going to get. Max Homa is plus 160 for the USA team. And I think Max will get a lot of playing time. He's a pretty steady, solid player. Wyndham Clark is plus 225. Wyndham Clark won the U.S. Open, was in the top five at the British Open, and has come, had a very solid career, but really come alive in the last uh, six to eight months. And he's plus 225 as the top USA rookie scorer. He's only got to outperform the other three, and I could see that happening. And one reason I can see it happening is because Brian Harmon probably won't get enough right. matches in. Brian Harmon is plus $5, and Sam Burns is plus 250 So if I were to make a wager in that category, yeah. and just seeing this sheet for the first time, I could see something on Wyndham Clark or Sam Burns and make one of those guys get me the two twenty, the two fifty, and uh, maybe the number will move a little bit. I I don't know how much well, these are moving. And, and Wyndham Clark as the longest hitter on the team, and the fact that he has had the bravado to say I want to go up against Rory, to me is a great bet because he could be a real sleeper. I mean, you could see him if he's if if he does and and. You have a guy that says, I want Rory, and Rory's going out number one on Sunday morning. Why wouldn't you go ahead and say you want him? Yeah. You're going to get him. Yeah. So, And it depends how he's playing. If he's playing well, I'm guessing that he's going out. So I think that's a great bet uh, because these guys are all going to see you would traditionally see limited time, and they're not going to play as much. Right. So well, It's kind of funny. The last time somebody made those kind of comments, I think it was Stephen Ames against Tiger, the match play. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even play Never the heard back of. nine. I think they only got to the 10th hole and they, they folded it up. So you're right. Wyndham Clark did come out pretty bold this week. He said, Rory's great. I respect him. He's a great player, but I think I can beat him. And I wouldn't be out here if I didn't think I could beat him. So Wyndham Clark at plus 225, pretty solid number. On the European side, the top rookie scorer, Ludwig Auberg is plus 190. He's the favorite. He's 23 years old and has nine tournaments under right. his belt. This, I mean, this kid might not be able to put a tee in the ground. Somebody right? knows something, maybe. I, it, I hope. You know, uh, it's got to be based on Luke Donald talking about this kid. Because Luke Donald said, this guy, the reason he took him over all the other players in Europe was that he's supposed to be a generational type player. That he's going to be on the Ryder Cup team for the next 12, 13 matches like Phil and Tiger were for the USA team. That's yet to be seen. But Alberg is the favorite. Sepp Straka is plus 250. Nikolai Hogard is plus 260. And Robert McIntyre is plus 35. I, I'm, I'm, I got a circle around Robert McIntyre plus 350. Nobody knows much about him. But, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he was an automatic qualifier for a reason. He, he won earlier at this course on the DP Tour. You got to go with the guy. I mean, he's had success just... Two months ago. Yeah, I totally agree. He's 27 years old. He's just really starting to get into the, this prime. He really wanted, I saw an interview with him. He really wanted to be on the Ryder Cup. He, I mean, he just, his whole year, he geared to be on the Ryder Cup. I don't think you get a guy that comes out and says, I want to be on this Ryder Cup team. I'm playing again on the Ryder Cup team. And then he gets there and you don't play. <laughs> right. right. He's going to, 
I think he's a, a great value at plus 350. Getting back to the guys we uh, we kind of jumped over um, as we were talking about the European team, we just briefly mentioned Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry is 18-1, and as I as I mentioned, I don't think Shane Lowry can play five matches. Physically, he would break down. Great player. I would bet Shane Lowry in the singles. I think Shane Lowry will be a bulldog in the singles, and he's a guy that I would bet in the singles, but I'm not going to get him to be the point top point scorer. Um, Sepp Straka is someone we just briefly touched on, 25-1. to 1. Really came into his own this year. Trapka is a young guy from Austria, 30 years old. Uh, he has three pro wins, all in or two in Europe. Um, he's 22 in the world, and he's kind of quietly climbed up the ladder. And Strapka is 25 to one. Now he is a guy that I think might get more playing time. He's a guy that can, you know, he could play all uh, 36 a day if he had to. He's strong, big kid, can really hit the ball. I like Strapka at 25 to 1 to maybe put a little bit of something on him as well. And then lastly, on the proposition sheet that Chris Kernley has out is uh, the Ryder Cup margin of victory. You can bet by who's going to win and by how much. So USA to win by 1 to 3 points is 7 to 2. And Europe to win by 1 to 3 points is 7 to 2. USA to win by 4 to 6 plus 475. Europe to win by 4 to 6 is 5 to 1. USA to win by seven to nine, that's seven to one. And Europe to win by seven to nine is eight to one. Remember the last time they played was 19 to yeah, nine. They've been below USA won by 10. If you take the USA to win by 10 or more, it's 10 to one. If you think Europe is going to get revenge, it's 12 to one if they take 10 or more. And if it ends up in a tie, it's 13 to one. Which we just saw with the Solheim Cup. Yeah, just happened. So interesting margin of victory for these two teams. I, I think Chris putting together a pretty solid sheet here mm. for the proposition of what's going on. I really like the opportunity on these rookie scores, especially since there's only four of them. The only It's like a four-horse race, and you're not going to take the chalk, then you got some pretty good value the rest of the way. Well, and the, the proposition bets on the Ryder Cup are great because there's so much excitement, unlike a normal golf tournament where you, <laughs> you've got guys, you've got a lot of action going on. So uh, enthusiasm, no question. Um, and, and some of these in here, some of these really are attractive in my mind. Yeah. So Rex, we talked a little bit briefly and we opened up the show about, um, Stacy Lewis using analytics in the Solheim cup for the women. And you've done a little homework on it for this, uh, event as well. We do not have access to that information that the captains have, but they've got a ton of analytics where they're looking at this golf nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting how that has played into and, I think you could make a case that's the reason that we've seen the margins of victory that we've seen when they're on their home turf. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, Europe has definitely been using analytics. In fact, uh, they're using it extensively because they've got analytics on Marco Simone for the team. And so they're using that heavily. And some of the stuff that they did uh, in Paris or in France uh, with analytics was pretty amazing. I mean, they, they grew the rough longer because they knew the Americans would would hit it farther. They they have they typically have slower greens. Americans like the fast greens. They go with the slower greens. But the one that I I really find interesting is how they set up for foursomes with alternate shots and how they they move the tees. They're not supposed to make any course changes during that week. But yet we know there's a, a member of each. The committee is they've got a European and an American on that committee that's supposed to police it, but 
frankly, they don't really do that. Well, they move the tees in the cups. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna be doing that, but it's changes to the course setup in terms of how long the rough's going to be, how okay. close they mow the greens. And then the one, the, the one analytical change that I found really interesting that turned out to be to really pay dividends when they were in France in 18 was the fact that they saw where the gallery was roped off they moved it back two and a half yards on each side because of analytics. So they didn't want the Americans hitting stray drives and being able to hit off trampled down grass. So they moved it just two and a half yards, and it turned out that that made a huge difference based on analytics. So now instead of hitting on, on trampled down grass, they're hitting out of the rough. And the rough is going to be longer here. They're, they've placed traps at carries at 310 and 300 again aimed at the Americans where if you clear that trap it's going to be very narrow so they're doing anything they can to shorten or to lengthen the course for the Americans so yeah. uh, it, it's worked uh, in the past for them so I mean I, I you, hard to hard to I'd make the argument that the U.S. did the same thing to Europe when they played here and we had a 19 to 9 you know boat race against them last time they came yeah. to the U.S. so yeah clearly when you lose for 30 straight years that something's going on with the way the courses are prepared and, and the way that they're setting everything up. And that's probably something that's uh, we're going to see definitely happen as we go over there. Now this course has got two interesting, it's pretty interesting. I was looking at the layout. There's two par fours that are under 350 yards, which is tempting right now. What do you do on those yeah, holes? Trap holes. Yeah. So you got a 350 yard hole an alternate shot and you're the guy teeing off. You yeah. try and drive the green, you knock it into the junk and now your partner's got to figure out how to get it out of there. Those holes are uh, six is one. I think it's six and 11 are the two holes that are under 350 yards for driving the ball. So those will be interesting holes to, to watch yeah. as well. This course is supposed to hold up to 50,000 fans, but it's not supposed to be uh, a friendly course for the golfers. Like there's a lot of uh, problems in the driving areas, as you just mentioned, T sand traps at 310. Like you have to hit forced carries, which a lot of the USA players on this team, can't do. Brian Harmon's one of them. Morikawa's right, one of them. Which makes it interesting, right? right. Because yeah. now you put, so you put Morikawa with Scotty Scheffler, and Scheffler tees off on the holes that he can carry those bunkers, and maybe that's how it happens, right? You put the straight iron player with the long hitter, and the long hitter has to tee off on the holes that have the forced carries. It's going to be interesting golf. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, there, I mean, you, you, you look at the American team, and I mean, the top six drivers on teams in terms of distance don't, doesn't even include Brooks Kepka. So there's there's still long hitting a long hitting team, and believe me, the the Europeans know that, and they want to trap them. They want to have a, they want to goad them into that. The other thing they do with the analytics is they have all the information on how aggressive players are with back pin positions. And I'm I'm guessing you'll see again, not knowing the analytics, but when you see those rear pin placements with rough behind. The whole idea is to go ahead and goad those players into wanting to be uh, aggressive. So uh, that'll be a fun thing to watch. Yeah. That's how they set it up. So I'll run down them one last time. And Rex, you can give me the play that you like here. On the U.S. team, it's Scotty Scheffler at 5-1. to one. Patrick Cantley is at 5-1. to one. Xander is at 5-1. to one. Those three U.S. players will probably play all five matches. Brooks Kepka is at 8. Morikawa is at 17-2. to two. And then Max Homa is at 10-1, to one, the first one in double digits. I think this is where you want to jump in. Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are both 12-1, to 1, yeah. and you like either one or both of those guys as a value proposition. I, I do. I'm circling both of them. Uh, that's where my money would go. The other, other one for me is Colin Morikawa is undefeated in the Ryder Cup. 
uh, 17-2 to there. Uh, great iron player. You know he's going to be a factor in foursomes. Um, so I like those I like those three bets. Yeah, if I were to take a fourth bet, I, I agree with you on those three, and if I were to take a fourth wager on the USA team, it'd be Wyndham Clark at 16-1, to 1, the U.S. Open winner, yeah. which means you have to hit the ball straight. You're not going to put it in the rough a lot. And he really came on strong at the end of uh, 2023. Then Brian Harmon rounds out the field at 30 to one. And uh, anybody's got 10 bucks, you can get you 300 yeah. <laughs> if he seems to get in the lineup. On the, you, on the European side, as we wrap it up, Rory McIlroy is nine to two. John Rahm is five to one. Victor Hovland is five to one. And then it jumps up. Tommy Fleetwood goes to 13 to two. Terrell Hatton is at 15 to two. Matthew Fitzpatrick, he's 0 and five in Ryder Cup. He's nine to one. Justin Rose is 12 to 1. Ludwig Auberg is 12 to 1. Shane Lauer is at 18. Nikolai Hogart is 25 to 1. And I got to check next to that name. I think he might play a lot for some reason. Step Stratka is at 25 to 1. And then Robert McIntyre, who you like a lot, Rex, is at 35 to 1. Well, and the other thing, the other thing about that I like, and I do like both Hogart and McIntyre because they've won on the course. Uh, and you know, 25 and 35 to one. The other thing is, is it, do you really think we're going to continue to see blowouts? You know, we just came off the Solheim cup with a tie. If it's lower scoring, I think you have a better chance of those guys potentially being able to rack up the points. If it goes, you know, the, the kind of point total that you've had and in recent Ryder cups, you know, you may be looking at a, a McElroy and a Rom, which I think is what's driving that is the, the fact that they have not been close, uh, matches. Lastly, uh, on the board is you can bet the USA or the Ryder or the Europeans to win. A uh, one to three for either one of those is at seven to two, and I'm thinking it's going to be a close Ryder Cup that will come down to a couple of points because Sunday singles those guys battle so hard. Nobody wants to be embarrassed when it gets to singles. So I'm kind of liking, believe it or not, the Europeans and laying the one to three. That's where I'm at. We're aligned with that one. All right, Rex. Well, let's get on the couch on Friday, watch some golf, and love it. See you soon. Thanks for joining us, folks. See you soon.